Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the third chapter, verses 1 through 12. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camels here with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. When he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able to, from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, and I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. As you know, there are always a lot of options when it comes to preaching, right? We generally only have one or, or two, maybe three scriptures read, a gospel lesson, an Old or New Testament lesson, and also uh, sometimes a psalm. Um, but I always don't like to have all the lessons read unless you can talk about them because it can be very confusing. So what I want to do this morning is start off talking about the Isaiah lesson and then have that lead into the gospel lesson. But Isaiah comes from the Old Testament, which is so rich with great stories of people of faith in situations that, yes, in some ways are so vastly different from us, culture, customs, language, and yet the themes that they struggle with are so similar to us today. Lust, greed, violence, anger, sex, right? We struggle with all of those things today. So if we can find those themes going on in Old Testament passages, why they're occurring, what is God saying to them, then, then we can ask ourselves today, how are things similar? What might God be saying to us today? So we begin with Isaiah. Isaiah is uh, the greatest of the prophets. It is such a treasured volume in the Old Testament or the Hebrew uh, scriptures. It is uh, out of the prophets in there. It is called the, um, out of the major prophets of the books that are in the Old Testament. It is the greatest of the major 
prophets. Isaiah is divided up into three books. Yes, it's one book, but it's really three books of multiple authors. And if you can remember the names of the three books, good luck to you, but it's called book one, book two, and book three. Pretty simple. Now, whenever you read Old Testament or Hebrew scriptures, you want to keep two main events in mind. Because the vast majority of reading scriptures from the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible is based around these two events. And if you want to understand what's going on, you need to know the event. And we've talked about these many times. The first event is the Exodus. Right? Israelites are in slavery in Egypt, and who is sent to save them? Moses, right? And it's where we get the story of all the plagues, the Passover, crossing the Red Sea, and eventually making their way into the Promised Land. So the Exodus, so much of Old Testament can be read through the lens of what is it saying about the Exodus. The other major event, and probably a bigger event, not probably is a bigger event, in which so much of Old Testament Scripture needs to be read through the lens of how does it help understand the Babylonian exile. Now again, we, as a refresher, because while I've been through seminary, it, I'm still understanding what all of these things are, right? So Babylonian exile. After the Israelites were in their own land, the land of milk and honey, and they settled there. Eventually they strayed from God's way. The Assyrians came in and took them over and took over the northern kingdom. Then the Babylonians came in and took them over and took over the northern and the southern kingdom and desolated the temple that was in Jerusalem, right? After that happened, you had the exile in which so many of the rich, powerful people were sent away. You can't live here anymore. And then decades later, they come back. And now, how do we live together again? These people that were once in exile have returned but they're not the same people that they once were. They adapted new ways, new cultures, new customs, new spouses. How do we live together again, right? The Babylonian exile. Isaiah, three books to help understand three of the events of the Babylonian exile. It is written before the exile, when the Assyrians are coming in and conquering, right? It is then written, book two, to the people in exile, and book three, written to the community upon returning from exile. Does that make sense? Before exile, during exile, after exile. The scripture we have today is before the Babylonian exile, but when the Assyrians have come in and started taking over and conquering and have taken really over that northern kingdom. And you get a hint of that at the beginning of our Isaiah passage, and I want to make sure I always, I should have this already opened up to it. A root, a shoot, shall come out of the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Does anyone know who Jesse is? It's okay if you don't. Who said it? David's father. David, the king, Canute, I saw your hand up here. You were first service, so I wasn't going to call on you. You knew the answer. I used to be a teacher. I know how these things work. Jesse is David's father. David, the greatest king of the Israelite people, who the promise is given, one of David's lineage will always be on the throne. 
But when all of this starts going on, the Assyrians and the Babylonians, the lineage of David's uh, kingdom ends. And there is no longer a son of David sitting on the throne. And so this part of Isaiah is written to people as words of hope when they are middle of devastation, middle of being conquered, middle of their world being turned upside down. Does that make sense? And so it's giving them hope for the new day to come because right now they're in the midst of violence and war and they're looking forward to a time of peace. So I'm going to read some of this again and I want you to hear it, understand that about Isaiah. You tracking with me? A shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. I'm now going to jump ahead to verse 6 to talk about the day that will come when the shoot rises out of the stump of Jesse. The wolf shall live with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp. An asp is a venomous snake. And the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. The adder's den, again, now not just the hole of a venomous snake, but a den of venomous snakes. They will not hurt or destroy on my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So here are people on the midst of feeling like they are the lambs being devoured by the lions. Right? They are people that feel like no way they are the calf or they are the, uh, the calf and the wolf is coming in to feast. Does that make sense? And this passage from Isaiah is giving them hope of a day to come when they are no longer being devoured. When they are no longer under this oppression from some other entity that, so they feel like they have the boot against their neck, forcing them down, laying on the ground, right? That doesn't resonate with our world at all today, does it? Nobody feels like that in our world today, do they? You see how when we understand so much more of the context of what's going on in scriptures, it is so relevant to us and our lives today. So there's a day coming. Now, in God's coming kingdom, when it comes to fulfillment, I think maybe it might just be, hey, a snap of the fingers, and now this lion and this lamb can live happily ever after. But we're not in God's coming kingdom yet, are we? But we're called to live toward that day. So we understand it's not going to be like a snap of the fingers and now everybody just gets along. Can you imagine, right? We've seen like uh, Planet Earth or Discovery Channel shows where you see you know, the safari in Africa or the savannah, right? And a lion or a leopard is chasing an antelope or a gazelle, right? Can you imagine all of a sudden the lion stops and says, you know what? Forget it. I'm not going to chase you anymore. Do you think that gazelle, do you think that antelope, do you think that lamb says, oh, good. 
let's sit down and be friends. Do you think trust is built that quickly between the lion and the antelope, gazelle, or lamb? Right? This is the work of the church. Is to call out who are the lions of the world that are devouring people, including naming it when it is ourselves. Can we agree the church has devoured people before in the past? That it is still occurring today. And to do the work of reconciliation or do the work of repentance. It is not as simple as the lion just saying, forget it, that time has passed. I'm a new person now. Those who have been hurt or devoured, are they going to trust that right away? Not at all, are they? To me, this is where repentance comes in and we get to that gospel passage. Repentance, in my opinion, is acknowledging the way that you have hurt someone, accepting blame for it, apologizing for it, and I will work to do better next time. It's not simply saying, oh, everything's okay, can't we all just get along, all are welcome kind of stuff. It simply doesn't cut it in today's world. So much damage has been done, not just by the church, but by those in power and authority that there is a lot of mistrust among a lot of other people. Our job as the church is to work toward those times, those ways of reconciliation and repentance. How many people like to say they're sorry? How many people like to say, you know what, I wronged you. Does that come easy for us? It really doesn't, does it? Instead, what are we really good at? Let me tell you where you're wrong, and that's what caused me to do this. Anybody ever had those conversations with your spouse? (laughs) Those conversations with your kid? If you wouldn't have done that, then maybe, right? All we're doing then is signing them for the blame, aren't we? Repentance is saying, I understand my role in it. I am to blame. It is not simply saying, let's all get along. That really, in all honesty, is a very privileged, privileged statement to make. Can we all get along? Because generally that's really coming from what? The people in power, right? And it's telling those who have been oppressed, those who have been hurt, get over it. It's different now, isn't it? It's a dismissive. Because it doesn't acknowledge the pain and the hurt. It just says, get over it. That's easy if you aren't the one hurt. But what about those groups that have been hurt, who feel like they have the boots against their neck, keeping them down? What does it look like to take the boot off and to put out a hand? Maybe not even put out a hand to lay down on the ground next to somebody. Tell me about your pain that maybe I caused, inadvertently or on purpose. 
right? So for me, as I'm a tall, straight, white male, I'm a person of privilege through and through, including parents that have been happily married for over 50 years and always are able to put food on the table, which means it's not so much that I interacted with the world in a certain way. It means the world interacted with me in a certain way. Does that make sense? So when I step into a room, I'm given the benefit of the doubt. It is assumed that what I have to say is important. It is assumed I am educated, worthwhile, and someone who can be trusted. What does it look like to acknowledge that privilege, to understand others don't have it and have been hurt by those who have it, and to work toward reconciliation. So not just as straight white males, as the church, as any person of power, institution of power. This is the work of the church. To live into that day that we hope is coming. A day of peace in which swords are turned into plowshares in which those who were once afraid no longer feel afraid. Our faith should give us the courage to step out and to say, I'm sorry, tell me about your experience. Because who we are is not what we have done. Who we are is who God has made us. So I don't have to be worried about saving face so I can't acknowledge my own hurt that I've caused. Does that make sense? Instead, it's owning up and say, the truth is, I've caused hurt. I want to be free from that hurt. I want to be free, them to be free. I want to be free. So we acknowledge it. We name it. And we move forward into the day that God is creating and our hope is will eventually the end being created. A day of peace that just can't wait for our world today. Amen. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.